Hey everybody, welcome to part five, our fifth and final installment on our series Whisper, uh, focusing on how to hear from God. My hope is that you have been encouraged over the last few weeks, uh, both inspired, especially by some of the stories that Graham shared right at the beginning, but hopefully also helped uh, by some of the practical suggestions that Tammy shared on week two, week three. I took a look at how we need to cut uh, some of the things out that compete for God's voice in our lives, how to turn the noise down. And last week, I encouraged you with what I think is probably the most helpful habit uh, towards hearing the voice of God, and that is simply developing the habit of consistent time with God, as close to daily as possible, actually slowing down, quietening down, and trying to spend time with God in reading Scripture, praying, uh, reflecting, being quiet, but just that, that habit of constant time with God. In this last installment, I want to take a look at something else that I think uh, is often overlooked. And maybe, maybe it's even more important now than in past seasons where I feel like for so many people, I almost feel like we're living in a bit of a wartime type scenario. I'm talking to various people uh, that, are, that are facing challenges and I'm talking to other pastors and friends that are dealing with, uh, yeah, just with lots and lots and lots of loss. There's so much uncertainty and, and as much as that could easily want to distract or discourage us, I think that it's our attitudes that need to change. If the circumstances aren't going to change, our attitudes have to change. And so I want to almost encourage you towards a bit of a wartime type attitude, a wartime paradigm, mindset, perspective. Uh, during peacetime, when everything's amazing, well, then we can you know, focus on your makeup and we can focus on uh, having the, the nicest holiday or the best uh, you know, banqueting type meal or, or just some of the luxuries that, that maybe we have the opportunity to enjoy during peacetime. I know some of you are thinking, I never get to enjoy it. You know what I mean, just apply it. But I think that in wartime, we have to be fighting for our souls, fighting for our friends, fighting for our families, fighting for our relationship with God, fighting for our own level of faith um, with even more intentionality, even more aggression, even in the sense of energy, not allowing ourselves to go off the boil. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I, I'd love to have a quick fix, a silver bullet, a shortcut to, to hearing the voice of God. But I think because it has so much to do with our attitude, I think God allows it to require um, a posture, a pace, and I think people. I want to talk today in just our final uh, moments together in this series on the role that people play in us actually hearing the whispers of God. Now, if you will excuse a little bit of alliteration, this is kind of the, the tagline that I'd love to leave you with today. God's whispers are often heard through God's worshipers. God's whispers are often heard through God's worshipers. And what I mean by that is that when we are growing in relationships, when we are allowing people to get close enough to us or us to get close enough to them, and by, by them I'm talking about people that are life-giving, people that are in a relationship with God, people that are also growing, um, I want to emphasize that point because I don't so much want you to put a lot of weight on someone that grew 20 years ago, but they've been stagnant for the last 20 years. I'm talking about someone who is still in a vibrant, vital relationship with God. It's amazing how God uses people to often point things out to us that we can't see. You know, like those mirrors, if you've if you've ever gone into a changing room in a shop where you're needing to try on a, a shirt or something and you realize, whoa, I didn't realize that 
because I never see that angle. And so you see a different, a different part of your body in a different way. Or if someone's ever taken a photo of you from a different angle, you're like, whoa, do I look like that? Um, or even for me, you know, having to preach online to a camera, there were so many things, so many little uh, idiosyncrasies that I didn't even know I had uh, because I don't ever get to see <laughs> that perspective. And so God uses other people to be those mirrors, to be sounding boards, to be, um, yeah, to be people that have our back that can help us to sometimes see things that we can't see. I also want to take it a step further and say that sometimes, for better and for worse, God uses people in our lives to actually rub up against us and, and to maybe cause things that are inside of us to come out. Maybe things that we're not that happy with. And it'd be tempting for us to want to blame people and want to remove the, the, the catalyst out of our lives, to want to remove the annoyance out of our lives. But I honestly feel that a lot of the time God's saying, no, no, I'm not actually wanting to remove those people out of your life. I'm wanting you to allow those frustrations, those irritations to actually bring stuff out of you so that you can see what you haven't been seeing, things that you can work on. So I think that God works through people in so many different ways. I've mentioned before that that I honestly believe that the three key areas or principles that have played a role in my growth or at times lack of growth uh, has been either the presence of or the absence of revelation, responsibility, and relationships. Revelation, so that's you know my relationship with God and where, where I'm positioning myself to actually hear from God more intentionally. Responsibility, um, I can't overemphasize how much I think we, we tend to open ourselves up more. We get more hungry. We get more thirsty to actually hear God. We need God when we're carrying responsibility that's outside of our comfort zone. But relationships have played an enormous role in my life, um, mostly firsthand relationships, but also relationships in the sense of allowing people to influence me that I have grown to trust and respect, people that are authors or maybe other communicators or people that have, that have shared podcasts, God uses people. In Genesis 1 verse, sorry, 2 verse 18, it says that it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. I know that we're needing social distance, but we're not needing social isolation. There's a difference between, between keeping physical space and keeping personal, spiritual, relational space. Isolation is one of the most dangerous states that we can live in. God has created us to need one another. Whether you like it or not, God has created us to need one another. There are so many one another's in the New Testament. Love one another, serve one another, encourage one another, uh, rebuke one another, forgive one another, confess to one another. Our lives are never meant to be lived in isolation. They're never meant to be lived alone. And so I think that to some extent, and I'm cautious in saying this, I don't want to build a whole theology around this, but I, I would propose that there are elements, I say this so carefully, geez, I hope you don't misunderstand me, but there are, there are elements of God's voice, or there are parts of things that God wants to say to us that I just don't know that we'll hear it apart from connecting with other people consistently. There's so much that God will say to us alone. There's so much that we can get out of sermons. There's so much that, yes, you can get stuff out of being online or listening to, a, to an audio 
you know, uh, version of a sermon. Yes, we can learn information, but God is wanting formation, which often requires connection. It often requires people, and somehow, and there's a, there's a bit of a mystery to it, but somehow in that mix, God uses those relationships, those conversations, even some of the irritations to bring things to our attention and to help us to give perspective, to help us to, to, to be inspired, to be encouraged, to, to think about things that we're not naturally thinking about by ourselves. Because even left to my own devices alone, I can just land up reading and listening to, and, and even, even in the Bible, uh, pursuing a devotional plan, everything. I, I, can, I can land up narrowing my focus to a one-dimensional spirituality that, that is my comfort zone. And even though that's not incorrect, it's incomplete. And God wants to complete us by, by sometimes broadening our perspective, broadening our scope, helping us to get a, a mixed diet and not just a protein-only diet or a fat-only diet or a carbs-only diet. No, no, like sometimes being around the right people can help me to actually think about things that I would never normally want to think about in terms of my own passion. And that's how and why I think that God can speak to us. I also think that God often has planned for us to need the wisdom and the perspective and the experience from other people when we're needing to make huge decisions in our lives, when, we are, when we're needing to make a decision that could, that could have some serious ramifications. And so it takes humility for us to be open to other people and to allow other people to speak to us. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says that as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. God wants us to strengthen each other, to sharpen each other. Now, if you're a piece of steel, to have another piece of steel sharpening you, that can involve some friction. It's not a fairy tale. It involves friction sometimes, and that's okay. You want to trust friends to your future more than friends to just your feelings. Now, they might really care about you, but if all they care about is how you feel right now, they may be an enemy to your future. A little bit earlier in that same chapter, Proverbs 27, looking at verse 6, it says, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. In the NIV, it says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Or the ESV puts it this way, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. In other words, when someone loves you enough to ask some uncomfortable questions, to, to challenge you to to evaluate your motives just a little bit more, or, or someone that's not just going to you know, jump on the bandwagon about how badly you've been mistreated and what a jerk that other person was, and, and almost like feeding the flames of vengeance, if they're actually going to say, look, that sucks, that's unfair, I feel for you, that is so wrong, but what are you going to do about it? What are you, are you, are you going to allow that to corrupt your heart? Are you going to allow that to turn you into a stingy person? Are you going to allow that to, to make you toxic and to, and to make you uh, untrusting and, and never willing to serve again or help again or, or take a risk? It is so important that we have friends to our futures and not just friends to our feelings. 
James 4 verse 6 says that God gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. The reason I want to encourage you with that passage is that you may be thinking, Jason, that's great in theory, but I've tried to get close to people and it's backfired. I, I, I once asked someone for perspective and they tried to control me or I shared a little bit about my past and I felt like I was judged or someone broke my confidence. I get it. There are so many reasons why you may be hesitant to, to go a little bit beneath the surface or to share any kind of transparency or vulnerability. I get it. But I want to encourage you that God gives grace to the humble. And so even if that person that you are trying to trust lets you down, God won't let you down. I want to encourage you to trust God in and through people more than just the people. I can't promise you that people won't let you down. I can't promise you that you're going to feel cared for every time and that people are always going to be a friend to your future. I can't promise you that people are always going to give you the perspective of God. and to. I can't promise you that they'll always help you perfectly discern the whispers of God. I can't promise you that. But I can promise you that God gives grace to the humble. And there's something incredibly humbling about us actually making ourselves vulnerable and extending a hand when we're saying, I need some perspective, I need some advice. Or would you pray with me? Or what do you think about this scenario that I'm busy, busy wrestling over? Okay, a couple of very, very practical ideas or principles or suggestions on how to give and receive perspective. I want to look at, at, at whether you're the one giving it or receiving it because even if you have not been on the receiving end of much of what I'm talking about, I want to encourage you to sow the right seed so you can be the friend that you would like to one day have in your life. You can be that person for someone else. You can be that person in a small group context, um, on your serving team, in your family, at work, at school. So whether you're the one receiving or giving perspective, a couple of quick principles. Number one, remember who's responsible. Remember who's responsible. So if you're looking for some perspective, get perspective, but don't give your responsibility away. You have to weigh up what people are saying to you. You, you have to still take responsibility to, to, to get perspective from who you think is trustworthy. Maybe get a little bit of perspective here yeah, if it's something significant. I wouldn't ask too many people if it's not a big deal. But put those things into the mix, but you still have to make a decision. You still have to own that decision. If you give that decision away, if you're going to choose to blame somebody else for their advice, well, then you're becoming a victim and you're giving away your agency when actually God has given you agency in your life. In other words, agency is like he's given you the ability. He's given you power. You, you actually have the power of choice. So please don't give your responsibility away. And similarly, if you're trying to help somebody else, don't take the responsibility away from them. You're going to handicap that person. You're going to cause them to be more reliant on you than on God. You, you want to help direct people to God or be directed to God. You don't want to ever become God for that person or allow someone else to become God for you. So, so in very simple terms, you can just ask a couple of questions. Hey, what do you think the principle is there? Okay, if you play this forward, what might that look like in terms of your friends? Or what, what might that look like for your family? Or if, you, if you're planning on moving to Joburg or immigrating to New Zealand? Okay, okay what, what, what are some of the challenges involved there? What, what thought process have you gone through 
What about the finances? What about your health? What about your ailing mother you know, who's left behind you? Maybe just ask questions. You don't, and not manipulative questions, I mean just objective questions. Be very, very careful that you're not taking the responsibility off that person's shoulders. We can care without carrying. We can care without caring. So care for that friend, care for that person that's asking you for perspective, but don't carry that load. You cannot carry the load of another three, four, five, or 10, or 12 people. You can only carry your life's load. So my encouragement is to remember whose responsibilities. Don't try and fix the other person. And for the sake of everything that's holy, please don't try and control the other person. Manipulation and control and domination is not from God. Number two, the greater the consequences, the greater the confirmation required. Greater consequences require greater confirmation. In other words, if you're betting the farm, if you are planning on doing something that's completely life-changing, you're looking to immigrate, or you, you're, you're changing careers where your, where your income could be significantly affected to begin with, or you're looking to sell everything and give it away and, I don't know, go move into a caravan somewhere because you think God told you. Anything that has significant consequences to it, please get a lot of confirmation. Don't let it be a whim. A, a, I, I would argue that for the most part, unless, unless you have a vision... In, I don't know, even if you have a physical, visual, tangible visitation from an angel, I'd probably still maybe get some confirmation to make sure that you didn't, you know, not have enough sleep the last four years or something. Just, just make sure that you get confirmed. I, I, I don't think that God calls us to be reckless. I think God calls us to be faithful. But faith is having faith in something. Faith is being faithful and obedient to God's word, which I think when it's significant, he will make it abundantly clear. So the bigger the consequences. So if you're going to bet the farm, you make sure that you get a lot of confirmation. Get advice. Get perspective from people that you trust, from people that are wise, from people that have experience. Keep praying about it. You might want to fast and seek God and try not to rush the decision. So that's if it's massive. That's if there's huge consequences. But for crying out loud, you can't do that for most decisions. Most decisions, when you're trying to sense the voice of God, His will in your life, and, and, you, and, and you're allowing others to encourage and challenge, for the most part, you're allowed to go with what you think is God saying to you. If, if, if you're prompted to be generous and to give a bit of money away, and you're not, not going to be bankrupting the whole family, well, I would take a risk and just do it. If you're being prompted to serve somewhere, or prompted to, to help a family member, or, or prompted to, to spend some of your lunchtime with a colleague quite intentionally, you're not risking the farm. In that case, I would err on the side of quick obedience with very small prompting. In fact, a lot of the time you'll be surprised that God actually wants us to make the choice without waiting for Him to overwhelm us with, uh, with like this booming voice of, Jason, give money to the man at the road. Like, no, no, I think sometimes it can just be a prompting and we can be obedient to those prompts if we're not betting the farm. A lot of the time, just ask yourself or the other person the question, what is, what is the wise thing to do in the situation? What is wisdom? And if there isn't some kind of like major, you know, risk at stake, just go with it. The number of times that I feel prompted to phone someone or send a message 
and it turns out that that person is actually going through a bit of a tough time or they just needed some encouragement or needed to know that someone was thinking about them or praying for them. It, it, I'm so encouraged with that that it's, that it's become so natural that I, I don't need two or three promptings. The moment I have a sense, I'll just try and reach out. There isn't a huge risk involved. So the greater uh, the consequences, the greater I think we need the confirmation. Number three is obey the revealed word of God. Please obey the revealed will of God. I think you need to ask yourself the question, and if someone's asking you for some perspective, you need to ask them the question, hey, what what has the Bible made clear about this? So, So you're asking these questions over here, but where do you know that God has given you clear instruction? Are you being obedient there? Because at the risk of being a little bit feisty, I would argue that if I'm not going to obey God in the revealed, known areas, why should He entrust me with the mysterious, with the unknown, with the big picture, if I can't be faithful with the small picture? So again, if you're asking, if you're offering someone else's perspective, don't be arrogant about that. Don't be judgy or preachy, but just, just in a loving, constructive, helpful way, try and get the person to identify what they believe God has already made clear to them and whether or not there's, is there anything in your life? Is there, if you're trying to hear God's will over here, is there anything in your life down here that you can be even more diligent about, even more faithful in? Number four, beware of who and how many people. Beware of who you get perspective from and how many people. I'm not suggesting that you, that you go talk to 50 different people when you're needing some perspective. Make sure that it's people that you can trust. Make sure it's people that have some experience. Make sure that it's people who love you. Um, in our lives, you're going to have fans. So those are people that just, you know, just think you're amazing no matter what, and they just want to make you feel good. You're going to have foes. So that are, those are enemies that hate you no matter what, and they want to destroy you. But you need friends. So you're going to have fans. You're going to have foes, but you need friends, people that you know have your back. You've developed some trust over time where the relationship has been face-to-face, has maybe gotten to a point where it's been heart-to-heart, and now especially when it's back-to-back, I, tr- I trust the people that have my back, people that I've developed trust with over time. So make sure it's not too many people and, and make sure that it's the type of person whose life, frankly, you might want to emulate. Number five, very simply, be willing to fail. Preferably on the smaller risks, <laughs> as opposed to, oh, I landed up in Uzbekistan. Maybe I shouldn't have moved all the way over to, you know, Asia. Um, so, so maybe risk failure a little bit more on the, on the smaller things. In fact, I would encourage you to risk lots of failure on the smaller things, on the day-to-day stuff. Um, but even sometimes on the slightly more significant things, if you know that, oh, you know, I'm going to say yes to this project or yes to this ministry or, or I'm going to say yes to you know, something that's going to require quite a bit of you, that's still a risk, but it's, but it's probably, you know, probably not betting your whole life on it. Even there, you know, if you feel like you're at 51% or 60% confidence, you may feel God saying, hey, I need you to do it scared. I need you to do it without the, hun- I don't know if you're ever going to have 100% confidence. So be willing to fail. And lastly, this is obvious, but pray. <laughs> pray. Talk to God about man before talking to man about God. I would say that that's whether you're giving or receiving perspective. Pray. Let prayer be your first response, not your last resort. If you're trying to help someone, 
just, just even when you're talking, just in, you know, under your breath, just ask God for help. Ask God for wisdom. Or, or don't be shy to say to the person, hey, I'm going to go away and I'm going to think about this and I'm going to pray about it before I offer you any, any thoughts, any perspective. This is too important for me just to give you my, my personal, human, fleshly, emotional thoughts. I want to pray, and I'm going to do my best to give you perspective, but I'll tell you quickly, if, I, if I'm not confident that this is God. I'll often say to people, I don't know that this is God, but, but these are my thoughts at the moment. And then they've got to put it into the mix. And obviously, similarly, if you are looking to others for perspective, don't let them be God for you. You still need to go to God first, during, and at the end, Keep praying. I want to end off where I started, and that's with a call to an awareness and a diligence to a wartime type moment in history. We don't know what the rest of the year is going to look like. We don't know what the first part of next year is going to look like. Yet we want to be strong and healthy and vital. We don't know if we're going to lose loved ones this year. We don't know what might happen with the economy. We don't know what might happen with our kids or with our siblings or with our friends. We, we don't know. And, and the truth is, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. But we do have to be diligent today. And I can't encourage you enough to make sure that you are allowing there to be people in your life who increasingly, maybe not to begin with, but increasingly they have your back and you have theirs. You'll even find as we're starting small groups this week, small groups which involve life groups and, and breakthrough groups and interest groups, it's basically any, any excuse, any environment to connect a few people together. We, even there, we are changing the focus. The, we, we're not, we can't meet in person for an hour and a half where there's a lot of you know, socializing and, and eating, drinking, talking, watching something. Uh, so, so content and being physically present is is. I think is less of a priority. Right now, we're needing connection. So instead of you viewing a small group as a place for lots of information, I want to encourage you to look at it as a place for formation, for application. So instead of maybe an hour and a half, life group might be half an hour or 40 minutes where it's more of a checking in. Hey, man, how are you doing? How's your week been? How's your week been really? Where can we pray for you? Uh, has there been anything that's challenging? What's gone well? Where do you feel like you're you know, managing to connect with God this week? Uh, what are you wanting to try next week? In other words, there's more of an accountability towards us self-feeding than us just coming to an environment every week looking for a ready-made banquet. And so I think that that's one of the benefits, that the season that we're in is, is one of the benefits that's meant to come out of this, where we are, where we are increasingly learning to self-feed. Please trust me when I say that God wants to make us strong and God wants to make us healthy. And there are very few pleasant, comfortable ways to do that. It often requires us when we're hungry, actually going around to find, like we're actually looking for food. We are learning to self-feed on a daily basis where we are making God a priority, where we allow godly relationships to, to help us discern and learn God's will in our lives. So please don't make excuses. You don't have to connect to a small group, but I want you to connect to people. So, so life groups, small groups are simply the, the, the one way that the church is able to help facilitate people meeting one another that are not already in relationship. If, if you're sick to death of screens and you're sick to death of Zoom, that's up to you. 
But then make sure that you've got at least one or preferably two or three people in your life that you can connect with, I would argue, as close to weekly as possible. Whether it's just a quick 10-minute phone call or a video call, or maybe you, you're able to meet safely outside in a, in a park where there's lots of fresh air. So I'm not making an idol out of small groups. I am making a very, very strong case, though, for the need for relationships. We need connection. We need one another. I believe that that'll help us to grow in our relationship with God. Father, I commit every single one of us to you, Lord. Myself personally, my family, Lord, our staff, our team, our, our leaders, Lord, every person that is watching, every person that is listening to this audio note, God, please help us to actually see the blessing that you've given to us through the people in our lives. God, help us to be humble. Help us to be teachable. Help us to be open to hearing your voice through others. And God, when we're needing to give perspective to others or, or encourage other people, would you help us to be humble in the way that we do that, God, that we, that we fight any temptation to be controlling or to try and fix somebody, that we certainly flee from any temptation to be judgmental or to add any kind of condemnation onto somebody, but that we would, that we would yeah, partner with you in just helping ask the right questions, offer some perspective, but also keeping the responsibility on the right people's shoulders. Lord, for those of us that, that are needing to actually get into a group, God, where we're needing to take that courageous step of maybe getting into an environment where we don't know anybody, but, but we're taking a step, a very humble step in, in positioning ourselves to actually get to know others and to allow them to get to know us. Lord, would you, would you encourage people that are needing to make that decision? God, would you give us a conviction about staying connected to one another. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to just end the series off pretty much the way we began by saying that I think God wants to speak to us more than we want to hear Him. It's all about a relationship with God. If you're watching this today or listening to this and you're not yet in a relationship with God, it's probably a lot simpler than you think in the sense of actually accepting, welcoming and accepting the supernatural, gracious, free gift of forgiveness that Jesus purchased for us at the cross where he died in our place. So it's accepting forgiveness and secondly, it's choosing to follow. We're going to speak a lot more about that in the upcoming series next month, which is pretty much tomorrow. So, so don't miss out. But what I want to encourage you with, if you're wanting to make that decision today, please click on the connect with us button and allow us to send you some information that will help you to take some next steps in beginning your relationship with God. Have a wonderful day, everybody. We'll see you next Sunday for our Vision Sunday, and then we're starting a brand new series thereafter. Grace and peace.